when Nicolas Cage very hamily screams, my eyes, they're in my eyes, they're not. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And with the beginning of a new month is the beginning of a new theme for October, since it's so many of our favorite times of year. Last, what? It's just confusing sentencing. With the beginning of a new month comes the beginning of a new theme, because it's so many of our favorite times of year. I was pulling it out of my ass. I don't know. Everybody loves October. Could you pull it out of somewhere better? No. (laughs) Than your ass? No. That's my best place. How about your brain? No. Won't. Anyway, William, you rude little bitch. We are doing... (laughs) Last year, we did something called Slashtober, where we talked about slasher movies all month. This year, we are doing Cagetober, where we are going to be talking about Nicolas Cage horror-themed movies all month. Yeah. um, This is... uh, It was requested... It was requested frequently. This is almost a long time coming um, for us to do this at all. And Mm -hmm. uh, I can't believe we're finally here. We're going to be doing Nicolas Cage movies all month. And uh, obviously we are starting with one of the most uh, notorious Nicolas Cage horror movies, Mm -hmm. The Wicker Man. How could we not? Uh, All right, William, what is your history with The Wicker Man? I think I think my history with the Wicker Man is very similar to other uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew about how there was an original. I knew that there was a movie from the seventies, but I had never seen it until this episode. Yep. So I knew this as a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> yeah. And I this was you know in two thousand six ish when this came out, everybody started like crapping themselves over how horrible it was. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I, I watched the videos, uh, you know, on a loop and would show friends, somebody put together a super cut of all the ridiculous things that Nicolas Cage does and says in this movie, yep. because it really became the movie became a meme. The movie became a joke for how bizarre Nicolas Cage's performance was. I know, and that's I really all I knew been, about it. I think this might've really been the kickoff of like Nicolas Cage, we are all publicly together acknowledging that this guy is wacky. I think we all, I think it was known that he was odd, yeah. but I think this was the beginning of like the celebration. Yes. Um, where like, you know, we were making fun of him. Yes. But also I think people were genuinely like, what is this, this guy's doing something that nobody else does? Right. Like how, how like Keanu Reeves is sort of, um, you know, exalted for people a lot. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the first times that Nicolas Cage really started to become like a king, yes. a film king for for what the hell he's doing. I 100% agree. It's It made everybody wake up and take notice that this guy's out here doing something a little different. He is. So what's, what's your history? I mean, same. I exact same. There's no need to even repeat it. I was thrilled when this came out and I got to see it and see how kooky it was. Loved the supercuts, the whole deal. So you saw it when it first came out? I think so. I mean, I didn't see it in the theater or anything, but I feel like I was aware of this pretty early on. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, I feel like we watched this. Really? Because I watching it for this show, <laughs> I don't think I had ever seen the movie before. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so surprised. Okay, maybe we didn't. I definitely saw the movie. 
And uh, yeah, it's something else. I, I for sure, the super cuts, I, mm-hmm. I had seen tons of, but it wasn't yeah. until like. All those classic lines really came back to me watching the movie. Like, how to get burned, how to get burned, how to get burned. How to get burned, how to get burned, how to get burned. <laughs> and he's like, he's acting so big. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, I took so many goddamn notes that we're not going to get to uh-huh. about, about both versions of the movie. But uh, one of my favorite things in the wicker man at all and by the way we're obviously we're gonna spoil wicker man yes, the original completely. and the the tw- that 2006 Nicolas cage movie but so there's a quality in the movies it's a it, they're they're fundamentally about person from the quote-unquote civilized you know christian nation mm-hmm. of america going to a um almost like an amish community type place um where they ha- have a pagan religion and right. so it's the it's it's a sort of a culture clash, but also this civilized man can't understand what they're doing, and ends I think up that's much more um, in the original than the Nicolas Cage version. Like, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I firmly agree. But like the the core of the idea is there, yes. like civilization versus going to a place where they worship old gods, mm-hmm. and um, a, a commonality between the two movies is that everybody who lives on this island seems to have names for plants. Yeah. So the little girl that our hero is going to try to, you know, she's said to have been missing and he's trying to figure out what happened to her. Was she killed? Is she still alive? Who took her? If she's still alive, her name is Rowan, which mm-hmm. is a type of tree. There are people named Willow and beach and, and Lily Ivy. Ivy. And, uh, in the Nicholas cage movie, at one point he goes into a classroom <laughs> and he's talking to, he's talking to these kids. He's like, Oh, what's your name? Little girl. And she goes, Lily. And then he he asks everybody, "Have you all seen? Has anybody? Do you all know your classmate Rowan? Was she your classmate?" And they all deny knowing her. Everybody denies that this girl even exists. Right. Uh, it's like the main setup to both movies. And uh, when he checks the school's like ledger, he finds Rowan's name in the book, and he goes, <laughs> "You little liars." Yep. And then he turns to the teacher, and he goes, "And you, you're the biggest liar of them all, Miss." And she says Rose. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Of course, Rose. And Another then plant. and then he does something. Yeah, he does something that I can't even understand really. He's already looked at the class and called them all a bunch of little liars. And he's like made children. it clear he hates these children. And then when the teacher says, My name is Rose, he then turns back to the class and gestures like, <laughs> Of course, right? Another plant. He, he they're shoots not your it. allies in this. No, he shoots it out to them like they're his audience, right? Who are with him in like yeah, all these ro- these you know plant names. Uh huh. But he he just chastised them and made it clear he hate. Of course, <laughs> another plant speaking out to the back row of the room, and it's like, what is this? I feel like that classroom scene is a a real turning point in the movie. <laughs> so that's what I asked you. I asked you before yes. we recorded. I was like, try to pay attention to where you think the movie goes just completely off the rails. Yes. And it's that was it for me. Scene. It was the it was the classroom scene. Yeah, like the entirety of it. Actually, I have some cuz I I had that in mind when I was watching and I was like, all right, let me keep an eye out. There are so many weird things and it's hard to tell how much is just like well, I guess it's weird anyway. I was going to say Nicolas Cageism yeah. versus like the weird turning point. I just want to mention real quick. I'm not sure we've mentioned it. So the deal is, is that it's an outsider cop who is going to this island to investigate a missing little girl. Right. That's the premise of it. And everybody he asks about the little girl is like, 
it's very confusing because some people are like, I don't know who you're talking about. I've never seen them before. She doesn't exist. Yeah. Or they just talk in weird riddles (laughs) where they're like, yes, I've seen her. No, I don't know where she is. No, like just right. not making any sense. So here are some of the things that I was keeping my eye out for as the moment. And they're they're not the case. He's just it's just strange. Um, I don't know. The second he walks into the little bar thing they have, he says, name's Malis, Edward Malis. He says it in kind of a weird way. Yeah, um because I don't believe whole- him. I don't believe him when he says his own name. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> his whole interaction with Sister Beach is strange. Like all of it. It's he, awful. Yeah. Like I wrote that he says, as long as I'm not intruding like a weirdo, I don't even know what the inflection for that was. She gives him mead and there's like a long shot of him drinking it. And I, they kind of set you up to think he's going to think it's like gross or something, but he drinks it. And then I think he's like, very good. Very good. All right. And then like turns and addresses the bar. <laughs> so, so here, here's what's really happening. I, um, now we we each watched the 1973 original. Yes. Um and the 2006 version. I watched the 70s Wicker Man first. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the Nick Cage movie. Right. And I believe you did the reverse. That's correct. You, you watched the Nick Cage version then you went back to 1973. Yep. I got an alarming text from you. Yes. Um where you <laughs> You proclaimed something that I was genuinely shocked by because I texted you. I texted you saying like, "Hey, if you haven't watched the '73 original, I I love it and I legitimately recommend it." Yeah. Um, And then you texted me before recording. You said, "I like the Wicker Man remake more than the original." Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) I don't understand how you can because everything Nicolas Cage is doing is influenced by the original. And yeah. so when he does something you know that's what? nonsensical. William, just like when you talk about how, you know, taking a book from page to screen is no. a chance for a second draft. No. Perhaps the same here. No, that's a huge mistake. <laughs> no. Here's, okay, here's the thing. He is ridiculous. Yeah. I won't say that it is a better movie. Now, okay. I just had to be true to myself in sharing this. This is how I feel. And we're talking about this the whole episode. It's not impossible that were I not talking about this on a public forum, I would keep this opinion to myself. But I can't talk about this, this mo- these movies. Don't hide without- your light under a bushel. <laughs> well, it's going to be – it could be backlash not unlike when I announced publicly that I liked the 2000 – what was it? 17 version of The Mummy oh, God, more than I liked right. the Brendan Fraser Mummy. I forgot about that. Yeah, there was rioting. Yeah, in the streets. Yeah. Um, but no, so he is ridiculous. I enjoy watching it more. I was more engaged watching The Wicker Man 2006. So there's that. And I realized that has a for sure element of irony to it because it's like very ridiculous and stuff. But there are some genuine elements of it that I like as a story better. I like that the island that he goes to is just women everywhere. Then with like Uh, a small smattering of men. I I was disappointed when I started watching The Wicker Man 1973, which I have seen before, but I really didn't remember. Um, and they're just like dudes everywhere. I was like, oh, it's not really the same like culty vibe exactly. So I like that. In the 2006 Wicker Man, women have built themselves a utopian society, basically, if not murderous. 
um, where men are really just there for the purposes of procreation. Right. And somehow they've gotten them to Stockholm syndrome their way into this or something. Cause the men there don't seem like they're like clawing at Nicolas Cage to get away. The no. only one who wants to get away is Lily Sobieski. The guys are fine, even though it seems like their tongues are cut out or something. Does Lily Sobieski want to get away? Yeah. She says, like, uh, when you leave, will you take me with you? And Doesn't he's he like, kick her uh, into a wall? Yes, he does. That was later. This Why did was he like kick her into a wall? Because she was stopping him from stopping the May Day ceremony that he thought was killing Rowan. So why did she do that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was she like wanted a. To leave. I don't know. Maybe she wanted to leave, but she's still like deeply in this enough that he high kicks her into. <laughs> yes, that's crazy. <laughs> he takes the heel of his hand Ugh. and like hits her on the chin. And then backs up a little bit, like all fast, like a little boxer, and yeah. then like high kicks her into a wall of pictures. I have to tell you, I, he did not feel like a police officer to me in this movie at all. Not an ounce. <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't think I reflected on it in that way, but no, he certainly doesn't seem like he a doesn't, police He officer. doesn't seem like a cop. Although there is a moment where I was like, no, that's cop thinking, where um, they were outside <laughs> looking at like a tomb or something, him and Willow. Yeah. And she was like, nobody has looked in that in forever. And he's like, the lock's new. And I was locks like, okay. Yeah. The lock is brand new. Locks yeah. So new. that's the one. Aside yeah. from him dressing like a cop in the beginning of the movie. Yes. But <laughs> he shows up to the island dressed like, you know, Mr. Rogers. Uh-huh. He's he's wearing a sweater vest. Is he? And he puts on cologne on the ferry on the way. And like when uh-huh. he shows up, he well, looks like his ex fiance. He looks like a professor. Yeah. He's dressed like Jimmy Stewart. And he shows <laughs> up to this island. And in the original movie, so the original movie has a guy named Sergeant Howie. And he lands in a in a boat uh, or in a in a in a seaplane. Right. So he lands in the water and uh, he's dressed like a cop and he's like, he's Scottish or British. So like he's got the policeman's hat and it's got the checkered black and white band going around it. And he's very regimented yes. and very sturdy. Mm-hmm. And he's got like a, a major stick up his ass, right? Yeah. Like, cause he's a very regimented trained policeman and he's going to take this matter quite seriously. So when he arrives in this commune where everybody is like free love and like they, they, they're nude running around outside of the mm-hmm. dark and stuff. It doesn't compute for him. He doesn't get it. And right. so you almost watch his like circuits fry mm-hmm. this like robotic, heavily trained man having to make sense of these people that don't follow his, you know, uh, uptight Catholicism. Yeah. And then Nicholas Cage shows up. And he's like, what's in the bag? Is that, a, is it a shark? Hey, what <laughs> was that? I don't, they just, they had a bloody sack and he asked yeah. if there was a shark in it and they didn't yeah, reveal I what it was. I know. I, I have no idea. But so as he's walking around the island, Nick Cage, he'll go like, at one point he goes like, this is a legal matter. He <laughs> says to people, he's like, I swear to God, I will arrest you. And his cadence and the way he carries himself. You know what? I realized he sounded like, he sounds like anti-maskers. Who are going around going like, this is a legal matter and this is my rights and you cannot and I won't have this. I'm allowed in here. And Nicolas Cage is just running around this island, kicking doors open and ripping masks off children. I did think. I swear to God. 
God, I'm serious. They are little. They are literal masks, which is masks, which is funny. Yeah, it's at a certain point, I was like, "Oh, this guy's such a narc! Yes. Like, what a killjoy!" <laughs> yes, he's, again, he's, he doesn't know what's going on. No, but just like ripping masks off of children and like harshing their nice island meadow, uh, mellow. I was like, "Get the hell out of here!" He feels like a guy who got his cop talk from watching CSI. Right. I, I like. I don't believe in anything that he says he has no authority every time he says anything about like arresting somebody they all laugh at him they don't give a crap and i really like that i like that everybody is basically gaslighting him yeah and being like okay the whole time um i really i don't know i like this what am i trying to say i don't know if the Uh. structure is right i i like Mm. a lot of the bones of it better i like that ellen burston is um, like Sister Summer's Isle, yeah, or whatever. Even though She's I like, like the Lord of Christopher the... Lee in the original, right? Yeah, just all of that stuff works better for me, Here's... and just their total like off the gridness. So, like in the 1973 version, there's like a raucous pub where they're singing. It's like a bunch of dudes, yeah. like sloshing their giant flagons of mead together and singing a gross song about the landlord's daughter. Whereas in this, um, it's just like a bunch of women like braiding like daisy crowns and taking care of each other and stuff. And, and he but walks it's in. weird. It's weird and wrong and creepy. Nick Cage like, walks in and he goes, more- he goes, well, is it ladies night? Yeah, but it's creepy to more like the <laughs> island in the 2006 one is more different from our society right. than the island is in the 1973 one. And I like that better. See, I actually think it's more effective for it to be so close to our society. The mm-hmm. only difference at all is that, you know, like Christianity did not take hold. Reach them. Right. So like that is cool. Yeah. So otherwise they're just as quote unquote civilized as we are. They just believe a different thing, so to speak. Well, they also they they're not as civilized, quote unquote, as we are, because they're like doing it outside and having philosophy classes, which are all the girls like running around a fire naked, which is awesome. Was that a Um, that was that was not a philosophy class. They have an actual classroom. No, it was a class. The girls running around the fire? Yes, it was because he uh the cop was like, What's going on here? And the, you know, Fair Isle or Summer's Isle guy is like, huh, yes, learning, I don't know if it was philosophy, but something. And he's like, They're not gonna learn that way, naked. And he's like, Well, our learning is a bit different than yours, or whatever. I thought that they were class. praying they were praying to get pregnant or something like that. They were to they be were. fertile. So I didn't think that was a class. But, but it so was. uh when he goes, they do and they do that nude. And then uh, Christopher Lee goes like, well, it'd be a, a hair more dangerous to jump across the fire if they were clothed, don't you think? <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, that's a good sick retort, Summer Isle. Yes, yeah, solid uh, logic. In the in the classroom in the 73 uh, version, I wrote down what was written on the blackboard because it was mm-hmm. awesome. He erases what's on the blackboard blackboard to write Rowan's name to get the kid's attention. And he it said on the board before he erased it, the Cockney Stone preserves the pith of the milk the snail stone preserves the eyes from the darkness. The toad stone preserves the newly born from the weird woman. The Is hag- it weird like W-Y-R-D or just straight up weird? Straight up weird. Yeah. And the hag stone prever- preserves people from nightmare. Nice. Which is just awesome. 
Yeah, everything everything they talk about is awesome. See, the reason that I love the 73 original so much more, and honestly, I think some of it is also just like the quality of film and performing and filmmaking to me. Mm -hmm. Like the 2006 version has these stupid visions where Nicolas Cage thinks he sees the girl on the boat and then she gets hit by a truck and he realizes it's a vision. And there's the, the, the laughable moment where he dives into the water because she thinks she's underwater and he does this bizarre sideways dive that I've never seen before. He like, (laughs) his body doesn't even move right. (laughs) He can't even move normal. And so he he dives into the water and then he snaps out of his vision and he's sitting on the dock and the camera pulls back and he's holding her corpse. And then the camera pulls back again and he's not holding her corpse. And his reaction is God damn it i know <laughs> and then they flash to him holding her corpse again i think he's just like put upon by he's his visions extremely you know? extremely put upon i also noticed and this dive scene kind of made it stand out to me not only was this the so this was the beginning of us recognizing nicholas cage as kind of like a the schlocky actor that he has potential right. to be. I also think this is the last time that hair and makeup was conservative with adding more hair to him. Oh, really? Because in later movies, maybe not every single one, but in a lot of later movies, he's got kind of like a spray on hair quality or like a ton of it where it's like too thick and weird. And this, it looked pretty normal. It wasn't like super thick. It wasn't like crazy thin. I was like, this looks like this. I can accept this hair. I'll take, I'll take it a step further. Okay. I actively like him. For the oh. first maybe like 10 minutes of the movie. I love to watch him. Like that's he, also part of why I liked it more. Like even when he's ridiculous and this is not groundbreaking, he's so much fun to watch. You he's know? a lot of fun to watch. But also like he was being like a very sort of like kind, normal person for the first like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So kind of like the prologue where he is stopping the people in the car. Yeah, he's stopping mm-hmm. people in the car, and the little girl is like throwing a doll out the back window, almost to get his attention in a way. Um, and then, and then he's not able to save them. This this woman and her daughter die in a big car wreck, and that's going to haunt him for the rest of the movie. And when we cut to him in his home, where he's like now traumatized by what happened, and he's taking leave from the uh, the police station, he's just sort of stare, sitting there and staring into the middle distance. Mm-hmm. And I actually like uh, believed him as a troubled person who was like sort of like struggling and in a very dark place. I also had a weird feeling, which is like the 73 movie when it kicks off, like he just lands at the Island and he, he says Mm -hmm. they don't show it, but he says I got, you know, an anonymous letter sent to me saying that a girl named Rowan's been missing. So I've come to investigate. We see that happen for Nick Cage, which I both think is like, oh, okay, if you're going to do a new version, yeah, show some of the how they yeah. lured him out there. Because this is all a big ruse to get these guys to the island. But so um, uh, I had this feeling, though, where uh, it's weird that <laughs> – it's a little weird to me that the movies are about a girl's missing uh, police officer come find them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought – you know, they show him try, try to save a little girl from a car accident and fail and she dies. And I was like, is this his save the cat moment uh-huh. where we're supposed to be like, oh, he's a noble hero and I should. This is a good guy. I should get invested in him as if 
you would not be invested in somebody who went to an island to try to find a little girl already. Like, right. do you need him to have failed to save a different little girl to understand why he'd want to save someone else? Like, isn't it just a noble act in and of itself to go try to save this other kid? So I always thought that was yeah. weird. Well, I mean, I was about to say, but it works for both things. It is his job to go save the normal, the girl on the island. So there would be a distinction there, but there's not because it's also in the course of his job that he sees the girl, you know, hurt in the car crash. So, but it's also it's he's also way outside his jurisdiction. Yeah. So he has no he really shouldn't be there, right? Like he only went because he used to he used to he was he was engaged to uh-huh. Willow, who yes. is a resident of Summer's Isle. Mm-hmm. And so what he goes out there really for her to help her find her daughter. Right. And then of course finds out that her daughter is his daughter. Yeah, and it just it keeps unraveling. Like things are all weird. Where she'll be like, people are like, she never existed. Oh, she did exist, but she died, and this lady can't accept it or whatever. And then so that's all head spinning. And then she's like, you have to find our daughter. I mean, yes, it is our daughter. And it's like, my God, how many different factors roll into the missing girl? It was about right there that I started going. This is this is really starting to drag. It started yeah, to really I, slow down for me. And I was like, I, I don't need this to be his daughter. And same. he was already invested enough. And it almost like, totally in a weird way, it almost cheapens him to be like, yeah, I wouldn't save her unless you were my yeah. kid. Or like, now it's really important now that she's my kid. And it's like, well, you came out here to find someone who was missing. Like, totally. again, it's already a noble act to be doing this in the first place. That's enough of of trying to set up that he's a good guy yeah it's it's weird to me to go so far as to be like yeah uh she's your kid so now the stakes are even more raised well i guess we have to we have to cancel out all the later punching of women in the face (laughs) i see yeah that is with uh lots of care for children it's astounding. It's astounding. I think it's three women, but it's not just a single punch per wi- no. per woman. He's really uh-huh. going for it. He definitely he- gives Lily Sobieski the worst of the business, but he <laughs> smacks Sister Beach right in the puss and drops her he- like a sack of taters. He 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 kicks Lily Sobieski. <laughs> yeah. He gives her like it's just short of a spin kick, a judo kick. Yeah, yeah, it's it's he's like to the side. It's something Neo would do. Yes. From the Matrix. Ne- Neo wishes. And, and the way that Lily Sobieski flies into that wall, the force this guy must have had behind him. And there are like framed pictures on the wall and they all yeah. like burst off the wall and shatter. Like it was like they may as well just had him kick her through the wood cabin <laughs> to the outside. Like, it, was so, it was so unexpected and unnecessary. Oh, God. Unnecessary roughness. Oh, absolutely unnecessary rough, rough, roughness, like in the puppy bowl. It yeah. was it was wild. But I felt the I same way. I would have given that guy I, a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote in my notes that I'm more bored than I thought I would be about midway through. Okay. Like I, I was like, okay. Now, I, I, I want to be clear. I don't love this movie. It's I'm not when it I sounds like I you enjoy, love it. When I say I enjoyed it more than the original Wicker Man, I don't mean that like this is a fantastic movie. But See, and I was not bored by the original at all. I thought the original was really interesting. I was a little bit bored sometimes. I was more bored in the new one than the old one. So even in the original, like you called out that they have like a pretty normal pub where Mm -hmm. these dudes are singing gross songs. The entire island is about 
you know, um, harvest and bounty and, and growth. Boobies. Yeah. It's all about, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, uh, uh, they're all about March hares and hares are known for doing the do. Like it's all about that that stuff. I really liked all the, the hares. And that's why those gross old men sing those songs and why the bar, uh, matron lady dances along with them and plays into it a little bit. It's the nature of the Island is all this weird doing the do stuff. Mm -hmm. But so when our, you know, stick in the mud officer shows up, he had, he like has to get their attention. So he starts banging his badge on the bar to get them all to shut up. And it's like, I think you should, you all should know that I'm here for official business. He's sobering the party when he does that. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage has a repeat of that exact moment. There are but a bunch it's- of repeats. I could not believe that the, you're all liars and you, you're the biggest liar of them all, was in the original. And it plays normal in the original. I, I, no, more normal, I would say. I don't think it's very normal. I think it's, I think it's absolutely. You're all a bunch of liars. And you, you're the biggest liar of them all. Again, saying all this in front of children, it's weird. Well, but if you are, if you are a devout, like, officer who is a regimented cop and you're telling people that they're lying, they're breaking the law by lying to an officer. So to me, it had the weight of, like, you should not be – it's not just you're lying to me, which is what I get from Nick Cage, where Nick Cage almost just feels seems offended that they would lie to him. Yes. I feel it's the same for both. I, I felt oh. that he, it was a personal showing through the cracks. This guy is like having, he's kind of had it. And now he's being like, you're little liars, like personally mad at them. Oh boy. No, I really did not think that. But so when Nick Cage bangs his, his badge on the bar to go like, excuse me, everybody. <laughs> it's in a very quiet room where again, to your point, they're like weaving headdresses. Yeah. And it's everybody just quietly sitting at tables. He doesn't need to slam his badge on the bar. He just <laughs> blunders in like this big oaf, this yeah. big dumb weirdo from a different place <sighs> and says a bunch of things that nobody understands. Like right. he goes like, how's it hanging or something? <laughs> and the barmaid's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, what's yeah. that city talk? Yes. You know, I, I don't know. Like he just like he he there's an assumed ownership that he has of the situation there that's insane to me yes for sure yeah he's like all right you guys are all a little bit more primitive than me so i should be able to kind of like handle this this should be kind of child's play and but it's not necessary i mean they are uh -uh. primitive in a way but it's not like levels of difficulty or ease or anything they're just on a totally different playing field yeah 100 percent it's it's uh and i honestly think that as much as i'm criticizing that i actually think it's it almost plays into a strength of the nick cage movie that makes it unique Mm -hmm. from the original wicker man Mm -hmm. um but uh let's talk about that in a second i think maybe let's take a quick break (laughs) all right Before we go any further, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Tracy Michelle Bullock of SimplicityDoYourDream.com. Now, you may have heard us talk about Tracy before, but we have a different perspective this time because Will and I took advantage of one of her free 30-minute discovery coaching calls. And it was fantastic. Yep. First of all, it was really nice to, to speak, you know, to Tracy directly after so much of like talking about her and understanding what her service is about. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was really, uh, she asked a lot of questions that 
I, I don't know, got us thinking and I think really uh, uh, constructive ways. Yeah, she jogged some concrete ideas in us. And I thought that was really interesting too. Like not only did she have things that she brought or have things that she brought to the table, but also just from talking to her, Will and I organically unlock some things in ourselves that I think we're going to act on. So we couldn't recommend her more highly. Absolutely. Um, so Tracy offers free 30-minute coaching sessions that you can book through Instagram or her website. So getting started couldn't be any easier. That's right. Go check out Simplicity, Do Your Dream, and make your appointment for career coaching from someone who really gets it. Go to at Tracy Michelle Bullock or SimplicityDoYourDream.com. And just for Guide to the Unknown listeners, Tracy is still offering 20% off your first month of coaching if you name drop GTTU pod when you get in touch with her. That's right. And like I said, we really, really recommend it. So go check her out at on Instagram at Tracy Michelle Bullock, Michelle with one L, or at simplicitydoyourdream.com and let Tracy know that GTTU pod sent you for 20% off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the two different movies, the the quote unquote cults mm-hmm. have different uh uh methods of operation. They believe in somewhat different things. Mm -hmm. So in the seventies version, it's all about like procreation and bountiful harvest. And it is, uh, uh, it's a patriarchal society headed up by, uh, Christopher Lee, who people might know as like Sauron from Lord of the Rings or the hammer horror movies as, you know, Dracula. But so he's like a big, you know, scary villain. Um, and yet everything in that movie is so sort of um, like jolly in a way about yeah. everything that they believe. Yeah. And then in the 2006 movie, it is all – it's almost exclusively about bees. Like there is stuff <laughs> – there is this concept about like harvest in a way, but it's all about honey for yeah. them. I don't and, think it's all about honey, but it's definitely bee heavy. I was like, I understand the bee motif. I know it, it's bees. Like, I get it. like the, you know, you work with bees and then your entire Island is kind of like a colony. And then Ellen Burstyn summer Isle is like the queen bee. And they even have little honeycomb things like yep. set up like a labyrinth. It's very, and look, I love bees and honey. And Nick cage is allergic to bees. Yes. In the boy. Movie it's established. Um, Who could have seen that coming? What and yet he loves honey. Both movies have a scene where the the cop yes. character is disappointed to find out that the food is not up to par for what you'd expect. Yeah. So in the 70s movie, uh, Sergeant Howie is disappointed that the lentils come from a tin. Yeah. And he's like, they aren't. He, he called them flat beans. Yes. Um, I think they're lima beans. <laughs> and he's like, they're not usually turquoise. Turquoise. Yeah. And he even uh he didn't even want to have an apple for his afters because it would be it, it wasn't grown on the island. Well, I I have the benefit of just having watched this. They didn't even have apples. He asked for an apple, which first of all, I was like, well, that's an odd dessert, but fine. It was for his afters. <laughs> yeah, for his afters. Um, and they said, No, we don't have that, but we have peaches and cream. And he's like, from a can, I I imagine. Or whatever. I and know like, yeah. he's so snooty. And then yeah. in the t- 2006 movie, Nicolas Cage struggles to get honey out of one of those plastic honey bears. Yeah. And he's, which is like, I don't know, like at least the original Sergeant Howie is like, 
He's just frustrated that he's eating things from tins on this place that's supposed to be all about harvest. Right. And then Nicolas Cage is even like, it's like every every ounce of the 2006 movie is just dripping with weird honey. comedy where it's like, why does he have to be paired up with a stupid honey bear jar? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he can't, there's like not one normal thing. Anyway, he's he's frustrated that there's no honey and yeah. yet they have an empty honey bear on the tables in the restaurant. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's, it's very bizarre. So anyway. Um, the B idea, I think, is actually it's it's I wouldn't say it's underdeveloped because it's very in your well, it's very in your no, face, I'm, but I'm not aware. super developed. Yeah. But like I I sort of like there's a moment in the movie where Nicolas Cage has realized that all the men on the island don't talk. Mm-hmm. They're always just working. Um, they're like carrying logs and you know, uh at one point he tries to talk to a guy and the guy won't speak, but he makes this sound that almost indicates he either never learned how to talk or had his tongue cut out. Right. So I don't know if these are men that were brought to the Island or born on the Island. And this is just the existence for men there. I'm not totally sure either, but they did say something that made me wonder if they were born on the Island where he was talking to Ellen Burstyn and she was like, Based, I'm paraphrasing, but she was basically saying, and like, you know, we hope they get pregnant and we hope that they have like, you know, the superior child. And he's like, a woman. And she's right. like, that's right. And he's like, well, what do you do if it's a man or whatever? And she's like, I don't know. She says something. So it made me wonder. I know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think perha- perhaps intentionally left for you to draw those conclusions or who knows. So it's exactly that moment. Where she's like, we hope that they're perform- born in the preferred way. Yeah. It was a woman. Where I was like, there's a men's rights activist yeah. version of this movie. Yeah, definitely. Because it's super duper duper, like, not even feminist, just like pro-woman. Um, and See, I don't even so, know if that's true because Nicolas Cage is well, I know, presumed I say, to be our hero. He's our protagonist and they're supposed to be the kooky cult. So it's almost like a man is showing up to this island and and trying and failing to fix things in a way and making yeah. fun of them for not for thinking that women are superior. I said that wrong. Like their <laughs> whole thing is pro-woman. Okay. Yeah. 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 The movie isn't pro-woman. No, this um, is. This no, no, is, no. Like, this is a crazy movie. <laughs> insane movie and also like i thought it was telling at the end when they're putting like all the bee all the bees when they're putting the bees in his bonnet uh and he's like you bitches i was like oh you were holding that back yes you know a hundred percent like you could be like how could you whatever but like he spits out you bitches like not just you animals you assholes whatever he's a he-man woman hater yeah, he's definitely a He-Man woman here. So there's for sure like an MRA sort of view of this movie. And I and uh they would not be into this island. And I was I I don't know. I, I feel like I almost wish that that was more the point in a way. So like in the 70s movie, uh, like the way that everything sort of like comes together, he learns that they he learns a, li- a little bit about their pagan rituals and that they have a parade. Um, where everybody dresses up in costumes mm-hmm. and in order to um, to to like sort of infiltrate it to hopefully find Rowan who he believes is alive but is due to be sacrificed to bring back the harvest he ends up stealing a punch costume yeah and punch is from those old punch and Judy plays where you know uh, uh, you think about them almost you think about them from like you know Sherlock 
mm-hmm. or you know, I don't know, Sweeney Todd maybe. Yeah, it's those, like that kind of era. Yeah, those little puppet shows where they're little hand puppets and they hit each other with mallets. Punch is the fool. So our cop ends up dressed as the fool and he's marching in the parade while Christopher Lee is going like, he thinks that, you know, presumably he thinks that he's the guy who's supposed to be in the costume. He's like, come on, you old fool. What have you had too much to drink? Dance, play the fool. And so our stick in the ass cop has to dance and like, you know, cavort about in this mm -hmm. pagan ritual. And I was like, this is great. This is almost like he's now having to take part in and almost have fun in Mm -hmm. to blend in a pagan ritual, which is the opposite of who he thinks he is. Yeah. I I thought that was almost like brilliant. Yeah. The The Nick Cage version is insane. (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they don't it's crazy it's it's insane yeah they, they don't very well establish that there's going to be a big parade but he does think that rowan might be sacrificed right um now this island's all about bees yeah. but for some reason the costumes they're wearing are all like woodland creatures yeah like foxes and and i mean i guess you had to differentiate from each other there's not a whole lot of differentiating factors on bees just, dressed, like all just bees. dressed up like a bee i don't know but it, the whole thing is bees yeah. So that didn't make sense. Anyway, the barmaid, they have an awkward scene where somebody more a nod to the original than anything. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's care. just in keeping. Yeah, but it shouldn't be a nod to the original. It should make its own logical sense internally. Yes. So uh, there's a scene in the movie where somebody is telling the barmaid like, huh, I guess they had to let out your bear suit again because you're so <laughs> big and fat, right? Yeah. And this actress has to go like, yeah, it does seem like it's been getting tighter over the years. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, this is because he's going to put the bear suit on. And they have to justify why <laughs> a lady's bear suit fits onto this big Nick Cage. Well, that was also a throwaway line in the original that uh, Christopher Lee was walking by somebody and he was like, oh, I had to let out your suit a little. It was like the exact same thing. Well, that's fine. But... <laughs> Again, it doesn't yeah, by changing the context. I feel it works. It's not it's it's so weird. This movie is almost the the nineteen ninety seven psycho or whatever year that was. The uh-huh. the Gus Van Sant psycho, where it's almost a shot for shot remake, except they just took the dialogue. Yeah. They took yeah. dialogue from the seventies movies and changed a lot of the context for the IMDB will have you believe that 80% of the dialogue is the same. Uh-huh. I no. can't imagine that's true. There's no, no way that's no, no. true. But a lot of the dialogue. Also, the 1973 movie is practically a musical. There is so much singing. Oh, my singing. God. I was very concerned when that movie opened with several minutes of a song about corn. Uh-huh. And like barley yeah. and corn cakes. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not no. wrong. No. But uh, uh, Nicolas Cage now is in this goddamn bear suit mm-hmm. trying to blend into the parade. How much better would it be if he put on the disguise of the men of the island? If he had to blend in by looking like a drone, right? Looking like he's just carrying logs and, and uh, you know, having to become the – just like in the 73 yeah. original, Christian guy has to become pagan guy mm-hmm. to blend in. Uh, uh, He-Man woman hater alpha male has right. to become drone beta male to blend in. 
I guess I'm just pausing because of that face. I mean, I think they probably, because they're only like 10 men on the island. So I think that he would stick out like a sore thumb. I guess that's, I guess that's true. But it's just thematically, I definitely hear what you're saying. Yeah. I I think Um, I'm, well, I'm also advocating, I'm also advocating for maybe get rid of the parade. And yeah. maybe you find a different thing for the men to wear so that they don't, they seem a little more anonymous, I guess. Uh-huh. Cause you're right. That, that Nicholas cage moneymaker, you would see yeah. that face and just know, but mile like, away. I do, I do think that like, they just like, they didn't consider th- themes of their movie and they were like, well, there was a parade in the original. So he has to wear a costume. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as a result, he runs around in a bear costume for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just so stupid and it, it's so poorly considered. They didn't think about it, Chris, and they didn't think wait, about it. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Or did they think about it? Bear, honey. Oh, is it any coincidence that he's dressed as a bear? Well, so he wants the honey. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know exactly. Don't I'm know. just saying that off the top. But bears and honey are a thing. Yeah, this that's what the is, writer said. This place is full <laughs> of like, honey. That's probably what like the director brought up and everyone was like, right. oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, that works. And then they all just moved on. Okay, speaking of the director, something that I texted you, Will, that was a little bit less disturbing than me saying that I liked the Wicker Man, was I asked you if you noticed the very brief celebrity cameo in the yeah. 2006 Wicker Man. That's right. Okay. And you you don't know, right? No. Okay. Aaron Eckhart is at the bar that's in the very, very beginning of the movie. He like gets the check or something from the person behind. It's like a diner or a bar or whatever. He basically gets his check and leaves and that's it. And I was like, is that Aaron Eckhart? That's really weird. So I looked it up and I had this whole debate with myself basically um, because you may or may not know from listening to the show previously, Will and I, had argued for a long time about whether Neil Lane in Adam's Family Values was a cameo or a job. And that's its own separate thing. But I was having the same feeling here. I was like, I know who Aaron Eckhart is, but like, what's going on? So at first I thought, I was like, well, let me find out when the Dark Knight came out because that might be like when he became like really famous. Right. And so at first I saw that the Dark Knight came out in 2008 and then this came out in 2006. So I wrote, this was not a cameo. Then later I write, correction. It kind of is. It's like a fun walk on because he was friends with director Neil LeBute in college. Then I do a little bit more research and I receive further confirmation that it is, in fact, a cameo, and so I've tipped over to that side. The movie Thank You for Smoking came out in 2005, which he was the star of, so I say cameo now. I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a, a, a trick that you employed when we had our debates about Nathan Lane and Adam's family. Okay. It's not a cameo. It's, it's a fun thing for like the director. And Aaron Eckhart. It's <laughs> that's it. Yeah, kind of, but that movie was like a big hit. Yeah, so, but here's the Nathan Lane thing is that he's got a big larger than life attitude, and they give a spotlight to him for several minutes for no good reason. So like Aaron Eckhart, what he pays the bill and leaves? Yeah. What a rush. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Okay, I hear you. I definitely hear you. So <laughs> I think that I would like to downgrade then back to fun thing for him and the director. Right. However, he happens to be a famous guy. 
Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It's not like a cameo cameo. Like, woo, is that Aaron Eckhart? But he was indeed famous. Right. Um, it wasn't to make people sit up in their seats and clap. No, 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 no. no. Uh-uh. Okay. Wow. You noticed that? Yeah. He I'm wasn't s- the other cop friend, was he? Uh, oh, no. Mm-mm. No. No. Um, no, he seriously is in it for like two seconds. It's weird. <laughs> that is weird. Um, the other cop friend, Nicolas Cage has a friend, mm-hmm. I guess his partner at the police station, who is the clearly meant to be the voice of the audience guy. Yeah. Who's going like, so let me get this straight. You're going to some wackadoo island out in the middle of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. He like does all these like annoying things where I was like, this guy might be part of the problem with the tone of this movie. <laughs> this man is being bigger than Nick Cage right here. And I couldn't yeah, that understand guy was- it. That guy was a whole lot. Also, did you notice that the music was by Angelo Badalamenti? I did. I did notice that. It is shocking. Angelo Badalamenti, who did the score for Twin Peaks, did the score for Wicker Man 2006. So weird. Disturbing. Yeah. Um, to me, there are like not particularly. Oh, no, I was about, I'm lying. I was gonna say it's not particularly weird and standout. However, there are things about the score that I like. There are lots of like weird, whispery sort of things that's going true. on. Um, yep. so actually, the score is kind of awesome in that way. Yeah, I think that there, there are certainly things about this movie that I'm not against, but mm-hmm. there are just as many weird choices or things that I just firmly don't understand. Um, there's a moment even where, so Nicolas Cage is allergic to bees. Right. And there was a moment where all of a sudden he's just riding his bike around the island. Uh-huh. And he's, he's <laughs> also, <laughs> which doesn't look very he, dignified, I have to say. No, it doesn't look dignified at all. Also, he runs into Sister Rose and she like puts her hands on his bike and he pulls a gun on her. Yes. He goes, I swear <laughs> to God, I will shoot you. He sounds so weak. He sounds like he such totally a weak. He totally does. Because he's completely intimidated by all these women. He sucks. And he doesn't like that. You know? It's just. I mean, nobody likes being intimidated. I guess I should say he's being put in his place by all these women and he doesn't like that. He's so scared. Yeah. I just don't. He's not. He's not an authority at all in this movie. And I, I don't believe that he's in control. No, they're walking all over him. He's not no. in control at all. I think the shittiest the, cop. I think that's, that's part of the point, though. I I guess, but I think it is really. You don't want your protagonist to seem. I think that that's part of the weirdness of the movie, is that like this guy thought he was going to be in control, but he is absolutely not. I don't know. Like he, he's a protagonist, but eh, he feels he? like he's like improvising and stuff. I'm sure he. I mean, he's <laughs> at, at one moment he he says to Willow, he goes, "Something bad's about to happen." Yeah, <laughs> I can feel it. Yep. And I was yeah. like, this isn't written down. No, it's not. No way. Because There's no way this was we, written in the script. No. Why are we bringing in some sort of like airy aspect of I can feel it to he somebody who's sense- supposed to be – the logical cop it's just awful no way just awful so anyway he's he's allergic to bees he's pushing his bike around he's not looking where he's going mm-hmm. and he bumps his bike into a beehive which seems like <laughs> a big a big mistake if you're allergic to bees For him in particular to yeah. walk into a beehive so he immediately throws his bike aside and starts running on foot yep to get away from the bees which are only swarming more of and then course. he runs into another beehive on foot this time and falls down. 
and starts rolling down a hill. But the way he's running and that swatting at the sides of his head, yeah. it's so like with these limp puppet arms. He looks like Steinbrenner. Yeah. He looks like yeah. – he it looks insane. <laughs> yeah. And then he wakes up. He passes out from the bees. He almost he almost acts like he's like allergic to bees, like he's coughing. Uh-huh. He's just like uh, – he's like – it's like he's got like a food allergy to bees. And then he – now I don't know nothing about bee allergies. I, I mean I think that for some people, make, they make your, your throat close up. So but, that might be where coughing uh, came in. Maybe. I'm not trying to diminish that. It just – I didn't believe – his acting in particular is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Yeah, so he, he passes out, and when he wakes up, he's in um, Sister Summer's Isle's abode. Well, and he goes, I came here to see Sister Summer's <laughs> And I'm like, no, you did not come here to see Sister Summer's, Summer's I know. Isle. You were taken here because you passed out from too many bees. <laughs> I know. He was taken there by Frances Conroy. Yeah, who's who wonderful. Like, she's the best and she's like the town doctor and at, he goes to her house first like pre-b problem because he's just like investigating everybody and you know she let him in and i was like oh man i love this house i want to move into this house but then he waits for her to leave and he sneaks back in and goes into like an office where there's like a ton of stuff in formaldehyde like there are human babies and right. animals and stuff and i was like oh god never mind i do not want to live in this house well so i get you're right also though i have to say that's one of the things that i really like about both movies is yeah. like oh totally this is modern man yeah judging other society by unfair standards yes right you're not like us so therefore you are barbaric and weird just yeah. because the, just because the way that she's studying and we know that they're murderers by the end. I'm not saying that these course. places are wonderful places to live, but like Oh, so that was another qu- I was like are those maybe male babies? Oh, that's interesting. That's a very good point. Yeah. So um but like to look at people who have like jars of of sus- of uh of uh stuff in from formaldehyde to study. Yeah. It's like is that alone a cause to say these people are backwards? And, um, you know, disgusting and barbaric. Mm-hmm. Like, That'd be a scathing indictment of every high school in the nation. There you go. <laughs> and we would never do that. No. But so, like, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's very modern man judging everybody yeah. else for not being him. Yeah. In a way, which I actually kind of like. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a sort of, um, there's like a weird schadenfreude uh, sense to both of these heroes getting burned up in a thing because they're so presumptuous and shitty yeah. about like you should be living like me you should yeah. believe what i believe mm-hmm. um that it's actually it's it's kind of enjoyable for that yeah um, totally what did you think of ellen burston i liked her a lot yeah i thought she carried more gravitas than christopher I- lee I thought that I honestly I have not seen much Christopher Lee before. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the seventies, sixties hammer either. horror stuff, so I was a little curious to see what he was like, and I actually really liked him. I did too. Um, 
but I do think that Ellen Burstyn had a lot more gravitas. She was meant to be a more grounded, methodical leader, whereas like I think Christopher boss. Lee Christopher Lee was almost like a swinging seventies weirdo. Totally, he was one of them, but like a little elevated. Yeah, she was like she even said that she's like the mouthpiece, right, for the old gods of this island. She was dressed like honey. She was wearing yep. like yellow and orange. Yep. I yeah I I, I did like her. Um, yeah, I thought she was lot. awesome. Also, a makeup note. I noticed as soon as we saw Frances Conroy that they like overdrew her lips a little bit to make them bigger, which whatever. And um and then they did the exact same thing to Ellen Burstyn. They both had like bigger lips than they usually do. Oh really? That was interesting. They looked exactly the same. It's to mimic uh, the big, luscious, juicy lips of a bee. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so sure, what that's else where could it be? what everybody thought you were going to say. What else could it mean? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> when Nicholas Cage is talking to Ellen Burstyn, I rewound this to make sure it happened. Mm-hmm. He says. He said, so the whole thing is, you know, is, does Rowan exist? Is she dead? Is she alive? Whatever. And he's, he knows about the, that there's a ritual and participating in the ritual. So he goes, even if a victim complies, it's still murder. And mm-hmm. he blinks. When he blinks, they added a mushy, gushy, wet slop sound effect to the blink. What? It goes like, yeah. Ew, When what? he blinks. Yeah. Why? I have no idea. I rewound it twice to make sure there's a goo mush sound when Nicolas Cage blinks. Why would they do that? It, I, the, it's I'm right guess, after he like, got stung by bees. Does he, what is do you think the purpose is? Big, gross bee venom allergy eyes. Okay. Ugh. I don't know. Is he all swollen at that moment? No. I didn't think so. No. He acts around bees, again, the way that I would act around bees. It all seems to be pretty I, – I would run from the bee. I, I, he doesn't seem especially – he doesn't seem especially vulnerable to the bees more than I would be. I don't – I don't know. I mean, I would certainly run from bees too, but I feel like he's put a fine point on the fact that he's allergic to bees. Maybe that's something. Maybe. We've, yeah. He talks about it a lot, you know? Yeah, that's he does talk about it a lot. Yeah, so he, it really puts the emphasis on it. That is certainly true. So at the end of both movies, uh, the hero is caught. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out this entire thing has been a ruse. Even Rowan being Which is missing, awesome. I love it's it. all to lure these guys to the island to eventually have them be sacrificed to bring back a the bountiful harvest yeah. or b the bees. Totally. Um, and in the seventy three original, I I really felt like the cop guy was really just sort of like shocked and taken aback and very quickly turned into like a trapped animal Yeah, where I, I, you could see him just almost like not even being able to like figure out, Oh my God, this was all to just get me here. Yeah. And then he devolves and he starts like screaming prayers and yelling at them. And he, he just turns into a stark raving mm-hmm. madman for a minute as like anybody But it's just like another deconstruction of him from being civilized man into, you know, uh, uh, struggling. At one point, he tries to curse them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's not that's not very like Christ like. No, and it's like, yeah, they've they've devoured this guy Mm -hmm. in a way that like felt shocking. They swarm him like a bunch of bees, honestly. Like he's in the middle of a circle of people, like all kind of coming together on top of him. That's in the movie that doesn't have the bee motif. Yeah. But it's it's still true. 
Yeah. And then in the Nick Cage version, it's a lot more grisly. Yeah. Um, I, and, and more sadistic. Like I yeah. almost, it feels like it wasn't explained or something, but is there some purpose to pain in their sacrifice? Because it wasn't just straight up swarming him and bringing him to the wicker man to set on fire. Like in the 1973 version, first they break his kneecaps. Right. Then they put a helmet full of bees on his head, which looks um, terrible. Yes. And then they bring him to the wicker man to burn. So why right. even bother doing that? You know, because it's 2006 and it needs to be a little hairy, scary. That's, that's yeah, really know, the only answer. Yeah. Like there's so many things in the 2006 version, like quick cuts and all those dream sequences. It's all just this bizarre millennium flair to try to mm-hmm. jam more scares into a movie that is by design meant to be um, some guy walking around in pastures for 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like the wicker man is like a dreadful movie. It's not a very scary one. No, no, it's really not until the end. I was thinking that like, this isn't really a horror. I mean, it is when you take it in its entirety, but it doesn't feel like a horror movie for right. the vast majority of it. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I like that about the original yeah. and in the 2006 one, I'm like, uh, this just feels Mm-hmm. cheap mm-hmm. so when they put the bee had head on nicholas cage and they pour a bunch of bees in yeah for one thing the cgi and i know it was 2006 it looks bad yeah um and i kept thinking about Candyman, tony todd <laughs> right under your contract that you get a thousand bucks every time you get a bee sting mr yes. cage do what tony todd did he who's to say he didn't he sacrificed his body for the play and he covered himself in bees and it looked <laughs> awesome Yep. And then Nicolas Cage has CGI bees. And I think somebody out of spite did something because when Nicolas Cage very hamily screams, my eyes, they're in my eyes. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. You can see his eyes pinched closed. His, his, his entire head should have been covered with bees. If he's screaming that his, yeah. his eyes should not even be visible. If he's screaming, <laughs> they're in my eyes and I can see his eyelashes. I can yeah. see it all. Uh, it's just a, a real shockeroo. Yeah. No, you're, um, you're not kidding. And in the in the 73 original, they put uh, Sh- Sergeant Howie in the, the Wicker Man, mm-hmm. which is enormous and frightening looking and just looks like yeah. some bizarre, like it's made out of wicker. And so it feels natural, but it's such and it's in the shape of a person. So yeah, that's like of nature. Effigy. It's so unnatural looking mm-hmm. and so odd and, and they you take, wonder how he couldn't have seen it i know, you know it's so massive and they take their time in there and you see him as the fire is like consuming it and then nicholas cage one the wicker man itself didn't look quite as imposing no it did it's it so because i watched it first it did look imposing but not as much as the 1973 one did for sure 73 one looks amazing yeah totally. and then nicholas cage's movie i just feel like instead of like taking their time and giving you a minute to like like really think about what's going on all of a sudden the wicker man just kind of falls apart and the movie it just ends yeah totally it's just over he's just dead in there yeah also the way they lift him up it's almost like he's stepped into like in a cartoon like stepped into a rope that's in a circle and then it just like like yoinked right. him up backwards yeah you're right it's like a little silly it's uh, everything in the nick cage one is silly, is silly. so um, i actually i do like in the nicholas cage one that his ex-fiance lured him to the island because it's kind of like a double betrayal 
So like, yeah. not only was he like, oh my God, there wasn't even a missing girl and you're the one who lured me here. What the hell? Yeah, I do. I do like some of the stuff that they added there. I, I don't think that it was, you know, I didn't feel like it was missing from the 73 version, but I did like having the question answered of like, oh, who sent him the letter and why was he lured here? And it's almost like a, an Amish colony's rumspringa where they mm-hmm. are allowed to go out in their teenage years to experience modern society uh, and then come back. Well, it's almost like they- she's sent out to find a person. She found Nick Cage yes. and, and like picked like yeah 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 if we have a bad harvest i've got a guy that we can sacrifice yeah and elberson says that this is a book whose chapters have been carefully written they planned this whole thing and sent her after nick cage a very ironic phrase to use in a bizarrely (laughs) constructed movie movie that isn't so well written this is a carefully written book it's like ah is it i don't know i don't know if if the book that actors use to read their script from was so carefully written I wish it were. <laughs> if only it were. If only it were. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about the movie itself? I have a little bit to say about what happened after the movie came out. Uh, I don't think I do. No, go for it. So um, Nicholas Cage. Oh, also, wait, wait. No, one thing. It's dedicated to Johnny Ramone. Yeah. yeah. I assume right. a Ramone. Yeah, right? that's correct. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So Nicholas Cage, uh, this is from Wikipedia. He acknowledged himself that the movie is absurd. Saying four years later in 2010, there's a mischievous mind at work in the Wicker Man, you know? You know what I mean? And I finally kind of said, I might have known the movie was meant to be absurd. But saying that now after the fact is okay. But to say it before the fact is not. Because you have to let the movie have its own life. It's like, that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, it would be nice if you'd sort of considered a tone. (laughs) yeah absolutely before you made the movie uh in 2012 um on a live web chat to promote ghostwriter spirit of vengeance um when asked what roles from his career he would most like to revisit cage responded i would like to hook up with one of the great japanese filmmakers like the master that made ringu and i would like to take the wicker man to japan except this this time he's a ghost what so i think is he the wicker man (sighs) The Wicker Man refers to the giant wicker right. human effigy that these people are burned in. I think he just says kooky stuff to say it sometimes. <laughs> he wants to take I the- really do. He's say, do you remember there was a profile of him like maybe last year or something? And it seems like he's fairly self-aware in general. Like he makes strange choices, but they're sometimes on purpose. Well, so one and- of the big things that he's said, a lot of his extreme acting choices supposedly come from German expressionism. Right. So very broad performance. Like there is like a, you know, a, a performance precedent set for a lot of the stuff that he's doing. Yeah. There's rhyme and reason, but we're not making German expressionist films. I know. I know. As blockbusters, you know? So yeah. like, it just, it comes across wild. I do like, you know, he's fun to watch and it's wild to see him like swing for the fences, yeah. but like, and you know, thank, thankfully this is like, you know, a remake of the wicker man. Like, okay. If this was just somebody who had a dream of making a movie and then Nick Cage did this stuff in it. Oh, I know. Like if I if I wrote a script mm-hmm. and somebody was like, we're going to option your script. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We're attaching Nick Cage to it. Mm-hmm. My feelings would both be hooray and oh. Yeah. I wonder what will happen. Because it seems like it's a big unknown if you're going to get yes. something like- – 
Are you going to get adaptation Nicolas Cage or are you going to get the Wicker Man Nicolas Cage? Exactly. And I want that Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking more about like him just saying weird stuff in the press as a person. Like from what I understand, I think he's a pretty intellectual, if not troubled guy. Okay. And I think he like gets jollies kind of from like, I don't know, like from saying strange things and messing with people. I think he's an eccentric dude. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's eccentric. That's that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, he wants to take the Wicker Man to Japan, except this time he's a ghost. That's crazy. What the hell does that mean? I'm, I think so he just said it and it doesn't mean anything. He said it and hope maybe somebody <laughs> would would come back to him and go like, I did it. I wrote the, the, Wicker, the Wicker Man in Japan. So the Wicker Man goes to Japan. Yeah. I want to just confirm something because I think it's odd. Mm-hmm. The Wicker Man, um, the original Wicker Man, the reason that why it's a big, scary human effigy is because that's scary. And yeah. I think it's really interesting looking because they fill – I didn't realize this. They fill out the whole body of it. So in the arms, mm-hmm. there are like goats and ducks and pigs and stuff. So they're not just sacrificing a guy. Right. They're sacrificing a bunch of things to their like pagan god. Mm-hmm. And um, that's still the same in the new one. But the context of it being a wicker man – is a little bit different in the 2006 version. It is you're burning a male mm-hmm. to sacrifice to your bee gods for your female right. island. And I, I actually think that that's kind of interesting. Yeah. The, 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 the masculine form is more relevant to the wicker man now. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, but I, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand if Nicolas Cage as a ghost would be known as the wicker man. <laughs> think so does he think, think so. he played the wicker man no i don't think he does i seriously think he just i bet he was doing interviews for a million hours and just pulled some weird thing out you're right i think i think that's probably more right it was hour 12 of a mm-hmm. press tour and he is half i could hear like, myself saying something I'd stupid like, take, like that maybe we could take the wicker man to japan except this time he's a ghost yeah right just like something like, dumb you just need to like fill the air i'm also curious where the inflection was because if he goes but this time he's a ghost uh huh. It would imply. Does he think there was a ghost somewhere in Wickerman? Oh yeah, you're right. Or is because it, there are visions it, of the little girl. Or is it he's a ghost? This time he's a ghost right. instead of a human man. This time, <laughs> this not time. like the last time when not he like the was last time. Straw when he, when he was a guy. Wicker? Yeah, the Wicker Ghost. <laughs> um, so uh, the 2006 movie um, uh, struggled at the awards. Um, <laughs> you don't say. It was nominated for five Golden Raspberries, of course. Um, it was nominated for worst picture. It lost to basic instinct Two. Um, nominated for worst actor, Nicholas cage, who lost to Marlon and Sean Wayans for little man. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot that little man even existed. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, me too. Um, Whoa. Nobody nominated- talks about little man. Everybody talks about white chicks. I know, but nobody brings up little man. Whoa. Okay. Go ahead. Um, nominated for worst screenplay, but lost to Leora Barish and Henry Bean for basic instinct too. Mm. Um, worst remake or spinoff lost to little man. What is that a remake what? or a spinoff of, is it a spinoff of, of big man? I have no idea. I have no idea what Little Man is a remake or a spinoff to. No. Um, worst on-screen couple, Nick Cage in his bear suit, who lost to Sean Wayans and either Kerry Washington or Marlon Wayans for Little Man. Kerry um, Washington is in Little Man? So that's what happened wow. at the Raspberries, but at the 2006 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. <laughs> what? 
the 2006 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Awesome. The film garnered two nominations, one of which um, was a win. The one they lost was Worst Actor for Nicolas Cage. Okay. He lost to Tim Allen for The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, The Shaggy Dog, and Zoom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess all three of those Tim Allen movies came out in 2006. <laughs> and then it won for Worst Remake. So, sorry, little man. Okay. Good luck. See you at the Not next year's. Time. At the 2007 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. That's awesome. Which I've never heard of in my life. Me neither. Oh, my God. Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. That's incredible. I want a little stinker. <laughs> yeah. You know that they're like. No big deal. I, they're like, I wonder if like celebrities will come to our award. Like Halle Berry went to the Golden Raspberries. Right, right. No one's going to Nobody the Stinkers. Nobody calls it the Golden Raspberries. Razzies. The Razzies. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just so you guys know they're the same thing. I was reading, you know, like the official Wikipedia entry where they have all the pomp and circumstance. Yes, of course. The Razzies. <laughs> um, right. I mean, does that do it for the Wicker Man? Basically, the last things I have to say, um, just because, you know, I, I enjoy the heritage of a, of a, of a property or the origin of stories. So all of this comes from a, a book called Ritual written by a guy named David Pinner in 67. Then the 73 movie is made, um, which they, they more than adapted. Supposedly it's massively different from the book ritual, which is why in 1978 wicker man is novelized. Oh, so ritual wicker man, the book wicker man. Huh? Then, uh, the, the, uh, Robin Hardy, uh, who directed, uh, wicker man 73 wrote the novelization and then he started writing a sequel and it was called cowboys for christ okay. the movie didn't get made so he turned that into a book huh and okay. then that got turned into a movie wow what is called uh from 2011 called the wicker tree oh um which i looked up uh, a little bit and looked well rough yeah, I've never heard of that before. I had never heard of it before. And then uh, just in 2014, the original author of Ritual, where all of this came from, David Pinner, wrote a sequel himself called The Wicca Woman. Oh, okay. The Wicca Woman. So I looked it up on Amazon, and here's a review. One star. Trash. <laughs> this God. book is absolute garbage. It is a sequel to the book Ritual written decades earlier. Apparently, the author should have reread his first book because he seems a bit confused about events. Well, really, things keep getting getting mixed up and changing during the sequel as well. Some things that change without reason during this book. Time periods, manner of death, eye color, personalities, <laughs> names. Oh, dear. Agendas. So it seems... Uh, not a triumph. <laughs> Not a triumph. So really to me, I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is the Wicker Man to me is the 1973 original, which I, I had never seen until this show and really enjoyed mm -hmm. and the super cut of the 2006 version, uh, which is just so insane to, to see. But I, I, yeah. I couldn't recommend it as a movie. Yeah, I hear that. I can't recommend it as a movie either. I don't even know if me saying that I like it more than the original is actually accurate i don't know if more is the word but i don't know who knows whatever i don't recommend the remake 
I do recommend the original. Okay, fair enough. Yes. I even noticed something weird about the original. Um uh and I think it's I think it's a, a genuine coincidence. Mm-hmm. But uh in the parade, they they do this they uh, uh, the hero, Sergeant Howie reads a book and he learns about everything that happens in the in the parade that's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be headed up by a uh, person who's simultaneously a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's Christopher Lee in a wig and like a dress and he's dancing around and they don't make like a big joke out of that. They just sort of like, you would think for the era, yeah. they might make that a big, you know, absurd joke, but they, they almost don't really, they just treat it like a fact of the ritual. Yeah. It's just matter of fact, but the way he's dressed, it's like very bright yellow and bright purple. Mm-hmm. And he looks like, chop top from texas chainsaw 2 and i i wouldn't put it past like bill mosley mm-hmm. to have been a fan of the wicker man or something and be like i like that that's big and colorful and wild i'm, I'm gonna do some of that yeah you never know that could be yeah so i thought that was I mean, kind of a huge cult classic so yeah exactly it, it makes sense to draw on a movie like that for another horror movie for sure now i did write down so many notes that i can't possibly get to which right. is almost a shame because yeah. i really enjoy i kept saying to Allie, i can't wait to talk about wicker man <laughs> um but this is just the beginning of our cage tober so there will yes. be so much to talk about in the future uh much to look forward to so stay tuned for the rest of the month for nicholas cage movies chock-a-block back-to-back and also if you want to see anything else about us you can go to gttupod.com you'll find links to our merch store to our facebook group past episodes and our patreon if you go to patreon.com slash gttupod and donate four dollars or more per month then you get a bonus episode of the show every month and there's a back catalog of I think 25-ish waiting there already. There are also commentary tracks for all four of the Scream movies. There are extras like video game playthroughs. And there's a Discord that's only for patrons. So you can chat with other people all day. Hell yeah. And you know I want to watch some Cage clips there this month, right? What? On on Netherworld Dispatch for this month. We got to watch some Cage clips. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally. Cage Tober will continue over there as well, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. GTTUPod.com is the home of all things Guide to the Unknown. You can find links to that Patreon page Kristen mentioned, to our merch. Um, You can even follow us personally online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. And I am at... I (laughs) I started to say GTTUPod. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for sticking around with us. We'll see you next time. But until then, I feel like my skull's on fire. Uh, bees are in my eyes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> bees are in my eyes. <laughs> it's so funny that they're not even in his but eyes at that I, part. They're not. I, I go back and watch, and like they're yeah. certainly around his eyes, and maybe more, right. maybe one crosses his eye. But I think for that line, they need to be all up in his eyes. Yeah, I would think so. It's 